Do you love watching sports highlights? Five Star, the world's first sports highlight rating app is here. Athletes and fans can share, view, and rate the best sports highlights between one and five stars. The app is comment-free and has athletes of all skill levels, even pros like Kylie O'Miller, Kyle Harrison, and the 2022 PLL MVP, Trevor Baptiste. Download Five Star Highlights to earn yours. Welcome to December, the post-Thanksgiving quintessential podcast. We bring in Volkar Katera and the one and only Chris Kater from Atlanta. Gentlemen, I feel like I missed you guys. It's been, what, three months? It's been I since miss the you, PL. too. It's been, it's been since uh, mid-September when, when we said adieu uh, under the bridge there in, in uh, Chester, PA. Cotter, I remember seeing you walk walking out of the stadium. Man, there's a lot, a lot of water under the bridge since then, though, isn't there? I, but it seems like, I don't know, you guys might agree or disagree because I think everybody has a different thought process. It feels like it's been a long season. Some people have come to me and said it's been a, like the football season has flown by. That under the bridge there seems like forever ago to me. Yeah, the weeks go by fast. The days are not so fast. So it's, it's a little bit of kind of a mix-up in the brain when you're in the football grind. I, I'll start off by saying if, if Cotter's like the one and only, I, I'm just like a normal guy, huh? <laughs> yes yes you are you're very much a normal guy very much a normal guy uh I, i've enjoyed our texting back and forth uh during this college football season cart because we we, we share uh, i mean cotter most of your travel's been east coast obviously in the acc Kark and i have been sent all across the planet man uh to washington to byu to texas uh never a dull moment uh to a, a couple cold games I froze my tail off in Nebraska a day after you froze your uh, ass off in, at Tulsa. Yeah. Look, I, I approach the weather kind of like, well, I'm a snowboarder. I've been an avid snowboarder for like 30 years. The temperature is not the, the driving force behind me cringing. It's the wind, right? Yes. So like if it's, if it's 35 in wind, I'm running for the hills. Tulsa was 25 with no wind. It yeah. was manageable. Now, did I find a did I find the heated bench every once in a while when I when I could you know get a little bit of a warm up and have the hot chocolate? Yeah, of course. But when it's when it's windy and cold, I, I, I'm about as miserable as it gets. But when right. it's like ill, like Tulsa, I can deal. Think about like the two games we did at Clockner last February or whatever that was. Remember how cold it was because the wind comes in through the valley. And across yes, the baseball that's tougher field. for me than Tulsa. That's harder. That's the worst, right? Yeah, because I'm, I'm dressed properly. When you see, when you see 45 degrees and you don't look at the wind, you don't, you don't dress in the layers that you should. I had amazing weather. Like knock on wood, because to your point, I'm in the ACC, and I mean, I went to Boston College twice early in the year. And then I did the, the one weekend we had the semifinals in the PLL up in D.C. I had a game in Miami and I parked because I was like, I got to get a flight out of here so I can get to D.C. for the next day's games. I parked in the first spot, like the very last spot in the parking lot so I could get right out. Right. And you're in, a, you're in an NFL stadium. It's a huge parking lot. It was one of the 10 hottest I've ever been in my life. As I'm walking, this is like mid-September in Miami. As I'm walking in my car, I can see like my vision field getting smaller and smaller, like I'm about to black out. Like, is that my car? Oh, September. Is that over there? September in Florida, oh. in Texas. I remember doing a game in, you know, third week of September in Houston on the turf, and it was 120 degrees. But here, <laughs> here's the other thing, Quint, jump in. 
Potter's talking about weather. Like, don't you laugh when play-by-play and analysts talk about the weather? Like, we're <laughs> I, the ones I, on I, the I, field. I, I laugh. Chris gets to pack a beautiful suit and he's been looking, he's been looking fly this year. I will add uh, on Instagram. He's got some beautiful uh, game day uh, outfits, but yeah, I I have, I have no, it's a different world. It's a different world. It is true. Q and I did a game together once at Northern Illinois. Talk about wind coming off from Saskatchewan. It's like the coldest wind ever in November. Do you remember that game, Q? And it was that, like, I think I think that game was PJ Flex's last game at Western Michigan. Uh, excuse me, his yeah, first his first year at Western Michigan, the last game of the year when they were like over. It was on. It was twenty one degrees with a twenty mile an hour wind, oh. snow and ice. There, I, I, Clark, I encounter refs who work that game who are now in the Big Ten or other leagues, and they always come up to me and put their arm around me like, man. We did. You remember that game? That, that, we that's survived. A, that, that is a remember when game for anyone who was there. We survived the Calb November of a uh, 2014, whatever that was. But that's to your point. We're in like this. This uh, me and Dez are in like this shack, which is you call the games from in northern Illinois. But at least we have a space heater. Like we're complaining about how cold it is, and it was freezing. But at least we had a little space heater at our feet. I did one match in this year. It was uh, Western Michigan at Bowling Green. And hard for me to believe that Leif Elsmo played varsity division one lacrosse at Bowling Green. Yes. His teammate was Laddie Horrell, who was my volunteer coach at Syracuse. When I was up, uh, when I was up at the Cuse in the, you know, the mid nineties. And it was funny. I remember like we would talk about Leif all the time because Leif was the only one calling games. You just started calling games then, but like Leif was, was the guy and we were like enamored that Laddie went to college with Leaf. Like it was a big deal. Like, dude, you went to college with Leaf? What was that like? <laughs> so I could see lacrosse at Miami of Ohio, at Bowling Green, trying to think of what other Mac schools it would fit. I mean Buffalo. You... Buffalo would Buffalo would work. Yeah, Buffalo would work. Um, I mean, that's gotta be it. Why would you think Miami and bowling green? Because of uh well, Miami's, Miami's got – they both have good hockey programs. And I think in Ohio, the game is pretty strong. With, with, between Wisconsin, Ohio, and, and Michigan, I, they probably could recruit. It's not yeah, that – Miami of Ohio attracts a, a kid from the East Coast a lot of times too. Yeah. It's a little bit higher end in terms of, of reputation for academics, you think? Correct. So that's why kids Correct. from the East Coast would go out there. I mean, I did a game at Ball State. And that is out in the middle of nowhere in Muncie, Indiana. I don't think lacrosse would fly there. But it, you know what? I'll tell you what. Coming on a campus, it's similar to all the other Mac schools. You're driving through cornfields, and all of a sudden, here it is. And if you blink, you're through the campus. Yeah. Jimmy John's at every, every stop. No uh, doubt. I ate at Jimmy John's <laughs> in Muncie. You have to. So, so last week during Rivalry Week, uh, my game was on Friday, so I had a chance to watch a lot of the games on Saturday, which was nice. But I was, I was sitting there saying, man, lacrosse really doesn't have a rivalry week we got conference tournaments but which one of these games which one of these football games would i want to see play out on the lacrosse field which game would do the most for the sport and and you kind of go through the list well usc notre dame notre dame's got a team if they played usc and eh. like would it be florida florida state would it be you know what what rivalry game that you watched football wise if you just if you said okay i got two programs i'm gonna i'm gonna teleport two lacrosse programs in well who i could tell be, you this who would be different I, I programs or they could have a program could have they don't have to have 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think we have to work too hard with this. I, I feel like the, the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry, yeah. there's so much embedded hatred between the two programs that it, it trickles down into every sport. Like, if you ask Nick Myers who's the one team he would does not want to lose to on his on his schedule, he's going to say Michigan. If you ask Kevin Conry, who's the one team you don't want to lose to, it's Ohio State. I'm sure they probably have clocks in their facility like like the the football team does. It it's in every sport: women's basketball, men's lacrosse. Like if if Michigan can take the next step, and they have beaten Ohio State a couple times, but if they can really take the next step in terms of like national prominence. I mean, Ohio state's been to the final four in 2017. They've scratched the, the national championship opportunities when they played Maryland in the finals that year. Like if, if Michigan can get to that next level, I don't even think we have to, we have to fabricate a, a rivalry here. I, I think it's, it's there. What do you guys Clark, think? I did Michigan, Ohio state a couple of years ago when up there in Ann Arbor, when Michigan, I think it was 2018 or 2019, they beat Ohio State and they prevented that loss, prevented Ohio State from getting into the Big Ten tournament and thusly prevented them from getting into the NCAA tournament. Like that yeah, was, I mean, that, you know, that, way, that is 364 days of misery for Nick Myers. Misery. Every day yeah, he wakes up, the one team <laughs> he doesn't want to lose to is Michigan. The one team he doesn't want to knock get knocked out of the big 10 tournament is Michigan. The one team he doesn't want to go to the NCAA tournament as a result of is Michigan. That's like the trifecta of misery. Right. And I think I even asked him about that. Like I had him early the next year and I was like, are you over that yet? And his answer, like in the only way that Nick Myers could do, he was like, no, that was it. No, no pontificating about it. Nothing. Just no. But he's like, Quint, isn't that rivalry different? To you, like yeah, you yeah. did, you've done that football game. I, I remember yeah. you did that game with McDonough. Yeah, back in the day, I uh, did it uh, a couple times. It, it, no, it's a different game. It's it's. Uh, I think about if I'm a lacrosse recruit, Kirk, I am finding out where that game is my junior, senior year, and taking a campus visit uh, for sure uh, to attend that game. And and I'm keeping Ohio State and Michigan on my recruiting radar as a high school junior or, or, or seniors just so I can go. Yeah, that's the one weekend you have open. You know, coach, I'm really busy as well. I, I do have November 22nd open. Is there is there a game that week? <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, I spoke to Nick on this podcast after when he came home from Ireland. Uh, and Kevin Connery, I ran into. I was at Michigan twice this year. He was on the podcast as well. I thought it was interesting. Michigan, they got their whole team back. I mean, the whole team. Yeah. Plus, plus they had what Bryce Clay is going to be healthy. Like, Cotter, my board, I went through my board with Coach Connery. Every single guy is back. Mm. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Now, how do they get better? How do they make that big leap? You know, I, I think it's a lot to do with culture. You know, I was there on a Friday, and I texted Coach, hey, what are you guys doing today? Well, we're working out at 630. My flight landed at 930, so I missed that. What are you doing Friday afternoon? Oh, we have a uh, professional development day. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm more in the old school car where Friday afternoon, you've got to do something as a team outside, run around so that the guys then can take that out, you know, out in the town from a bonding standpoint. Dude, like, you, you I think Friday, right afternoon, out Friday's, Friday afternoons during the fall are just, about bringing yeah. the team together, having them sweat and have fun. And then you send them on their way for the weekend, knowing that if you do that, there's a likelihood that they're going to pollinate together. That was my favorite day at Syracuse. So we would practice Friday then we'd do like an inter-squad scrimmage. Then we'd all go out for like pizza. And then we'd hit the town. 
and, and we were all together. It was great. So it'd be like practice scrimmage, go out for some pizza, you know, get together with a little, you know, a, a pregame type of, of, of festivities at one of the older guys' houses. And we all go out and, and, and you're exactly right. The chemistry that those days created and it, and it wasn't, it, it was like, it was kind of like click free. What I mean by that, like freshmen, sophomores, everyone was together. Fed up with the same old generic lacrosse clothing? Check out Hobo Lights, the new up and coming lacrosse streetwear company, making even the dustiest of players look drippier than a chocolate sundae. Visit www.hobolax.com and use code QUINT to get 50% off your first purchase. That's hobolax, H-O-B-O-L-A-X.com and the code QUINT, Q-U-I-N-T, all caps, for 15% off your first purchase. Cotter, I got to ask you, I started an article the other day that I didn't finish, okay? And I was, uh, I'm very thankful and grateful right now, but when I wrote this, I was not. How many times do I have to be cut in the TSA security line? How many flights can I endure without internet service? <laughs> How long can I tolerate repeated rudeness handed out from airport employees? How many times can my seat be kicked, pushed, or rattled <laughs> by the person behind me? How often can I be elbowed off the armrest? So oh. true. I mean, that, that really is a big part of what, you know, it's sort of like, the benefits of what we do and we get to watch football and talk about football and lacrosse for a living. Like anytime I have a day like that, Q, that's what I have to think about. I'm like, dude, wait a minute. I get paid really well to watch lacrosse and football and to talk about it. Like that's, that's a dream job, but boy, sometimes the traveling, especially for you guys, when you're coming from BYU or Seattle or wherever you're coming from, man, the traveling can be brutal. And man, oh. yeah, you get every you get every single thing that could go wrong does go wrong at one point in time during the football season. Yeah, a, a red eye. A red eye is like basically it's it's like going on a two two day bender, right? Like a red eye. I have no one wants to be around me in the house after red eye. Like when I tell my wife like my plans, like yeah, I'm coming back from BYU. I'm going to take the red eye. She's like, oh, you're taking the red eye. I, I don't know if that's a good idea. You should stay in a hotel and sleep and, and travel because she knows what I'm like the next couple of days. Right. It's, it's misery. The one thing that you mentioned there that drives me crazier than anything though is, is the armrest. Like who gave this person next to me the right to, to own this armrest? Like it's no one's armrest. That's just, that's just in the event that someone gets up. The armrest should be like sacred ground. I have my elbows inside the armrest. You have your elbows inside the armrest. It's no one's armrest. Like when someone claims the armrest, like who do you think you are? You know what you need to invent, Clark? It's like a little pla plastic clip-on that goes on the armrest and extends up in the air. To form <laughs> so to form if you own the armrest, I make it my mission throughout the course of the flight to, to, to own it as well. Like I give like those subtle like things that I move around, I'll slide it in. Like <laughs> get your arm off the rest, man. It should be no one's. Right. I, to me, it's like, I mean, I need width. Like a lot of people need length, you know, like you get the, the comfort plus that's a little bit more leg room. I don't need more leg room. I need more shoulder room. So for me, it really Jeez, doesn't I matter. Why. I get in there and it's like, I really look at who's, who's in front of me, who's going to sit in that seat because if it's another dude who's wide or somebody who's large, I'm like, man, this is just going to work out. Like this is going to be a really tough trip. 
Yeah, so, so Quinn, I, I don't what, fly Southwest. You're Southwest. What's your strategy for finding the most room? Like, do you look well, at the size of people? Like, what do you do? No, I'm usually A1 or A16, 17 or 18. So I'm relatively early on the plane, okay? I like to sit in the window seat and stare out the window and take pictures of cool landscapes. But I find that large people target me, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, 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 it's a reality. You know, I'm built for flight. You know, I got short little legs. Like, I can't complain, man. I'm, listen I'm very to lucky. This, listen to this story. I, you know, I didn't go on my first flight until my recruiting trip to the University of Virginia when I was a senior in high school. I went on one. My grandma took us to Disney World when I was 12. I hadn't seen another flight till my senior year in recruiting trips. Yeah. So like to think about how my travel started and how it's going now, but large people do target me and, and I deal with that. Uh, almost I, had a trip, I had a trip once where I was sitting next to a dude, like this is when I lived in Connecticut. So I had to, I had to connect through Detroit or something. I'm sitting next to a, a 400 pound dude from like Houston to Detroit. And I'm thinking, at least I get, get on another flight. We get off the plane. What are the chances of him walking through the Detroit airport, hundreds of other flights, we get on the same flight from Detroit to Connecticut, and he's sitting next to me. Oh. What are the chances of that happening? And I told the stewardess, I was like, I can't do it. I, I can't sit next to this guy. So they had to change my seat. I, was, I literally was like, I can't sit next to this guy for another flight. He's taking two seats. I remember one of my early flights when I first started covering college football, I sat down, the guy next to me had tons and tons of papers and was going through all this stuff and writing. And it looked really fascinating. I asked him what he did for a living. He said he was a divorce lawyer. He then looked at my notes and said, what do you do? I go, oh, I'm covering the game tomorrow here, here at Wisconsin. And he, he goes, you're covering, you get paid to cover the game. Like you're covering this football game. That's what you do for a living. I was like, yeah, that's what I do yeah. for a living. And, and it hit me. And I've always referred back to that as like, be thankful, be grateful. You could be a divorce lawyer. Right. Yeah. It's just like Jonah Hill on, uh, on uh, whatever that Wolf of Wall Street. He's like, what do you do? I want to do what you do. That's what that lawyer was probably thinking right there. He said, whatever you're doing, I want to do what you're doing. This week, I wrote Kark about December being the loneliest month and uh, how now and colleges that the, the athletes there, the NCAA mandates that they can't have contact with the teams like a week out from finals. So most finals are in early to mid December. Uh, so the, they're really on their own for the next 30 days from early December until they report back in January. So, you know, obviously the strength and conditioning coach, Cotter, you're going to give us a workout. You're going to give us some uh, thighs and tries and some, you know, hamstrings and glutes. And we're going to go on our way. We're going to go home. We're going to see our old friends probably go out a little too much maybe chase her old girlfriend, get ourselves into some trouble, eat too much mom's pecan pie. Like it, it's, it's a challenging time. If you're a D one lacrosse athlete, when, when, when you're cut free from the structure. It is. I'll also say this, cause I follow, you know, so many of the programs on Instagram. I remember my fall ending like the third week of October. And then we'd have, you know, we'd have like strength and conditioning, but like our meetings with the team, weren't as frequent as they are now. Like they, they have set hours. I don't know what it is now. Once fall ball's over, is it 10 hours a week, eight hours a week? But a lot of times coaches construct the schedule where the whole team is meeting. So you go on like Syracuse's Instagram, they practice yesterday. They use that, that two hours a, a day of, of, of individual work as a team. You know, they're breaking up into groups, but they're there together. So I, I like that aspect. I like how that's involved. 
I've all, also always kind of struggled with the fact where, to your point, Quinn, you work so hard in the fall, and then you have this three weeks of like uncertainty with finals, going home, meeting up old friends, and then having to report back. It's like if you're a college lacrosse player right now, you need to have a plan going into those three weeks because you just worked hard for like three months. Why are you going to throw that out the window? Now, I'm not telling you don't go out and have fun, don't meet up with your old buddies and all that stuff, but you have to have a plan now because the plan was different for me. When we stopped in, in you know, third week of October, we were working out and running together and doing all that steady stuff. And it kind of just like, it, it kind of brought me to the winter break where I feel now it's like they go full team activities, playing, playing, playing to like, okay, what now for these three weeks? Does that make sense? Yeah. And the season kind of the season has changed. We used to start obviously early March, then they moved it to February, then early February. So now January was a month where you could train yourself into shape. January was a great month. Come back to school and train. I, I took yeah. J term. I took J term twice my as sophomore and junior years. So I got three credits played a ton of basketball, lifted weights, jump rope, played wall ball. It was, it was insane. My freshman year, I actually went home and worked in Hempstead, Long Island at an auto parts, at an auto parts and, and a radiator shop for the month for 10 bucks an hour. A friend, friend of mine's uh, family owned this, owned this business, worked my tail off. Uh, and then my senior year, I went to Hawaii for three weeks and lived with my brother, uh, trained there uh, while surfing. Can you see Clark, can you see Q with the, the manila folders, with all the inventory <laughs> for the auto oh. parts store written on all his manila oh, folders. I, I can, I, I can see it going. right now. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean the part's gone? I have it right here. The part's not gone. We need to find this part. <laughs> right, so I, I got an alternator for a 74 Nova right here. It should be right here. Don't tell me it's gone. No, like, honestly, your buddy's dad was a genius hiring you. You probably just... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Everyone was accountable. I, I was I was by far the lowest guy in the totem pole. Their main business is auto radiators. These giant boxes. They weigh eighty pounds. You got to lug those bad boys around. Uh, you know, and a lot of it was outside too, unloading the trucks when they would show up, and you got to unload these trucks, and it was freezing out. So we'd build fires. We'd build fires. Uh, you know, it, yeah. And, the and one the, the one good thing Connor about Quinto, he's loyal and he's honest. So like that dad that hired him never had to worry about like you know, him taking some radiators and putting it on the black market. I know a lot of guys that I've played lacrosse with that would have thought of something to do with those radiators. I mean, plus Q, you're a college student. How many of the guys you were working with were just Jamolks from Hempstead who were like, that was their, that was their job, like their lifelong <laughs> ambition. So of course stuff was falling off the back of the truck every <laughs> single week with those guys. Uh, had, we had Big Peeny, we had Uncle Bill. Uh, <laughs> Chip and Steve Grisalfi, who, who's, whose dad, Ray, owned the place, uh, they played lacrosse and wrestled at Brown. Uh, Steve Grisalfi was like, became great friends with Lars in, in, in college. Oh, wow. Hey, what, one other thing that you mentioned, too, that, that I thought was interesting was your January, you kind of eased your way back. I eased our, our way back as well because Coach Simmons would make us do a 530-mile test. It was really, really difficult. You had to do a mile in 530. If you played offense, 530, you think defense is 545. Goalies were like 630 and, and beyond. But I used all of January because, you know, practice started maybe the third week of January, January 20th. I used all of January to gear up to pass that test. And you didn't practice until you, you passed that test. He wasn't a big believer in running you to the ground in practice, but he wanted you in shape. 
And then everything we did in practice was fast tempo and you, you played your way into shape with the addition of some running, but he wasn't big, like get on the end line type guy. I will say this. It scares me now when, when players are going back to school two, three weeks before the term starts. And I see teams practicing January 2nd. January, I, first thing, I first thing that comes to mind is like your end goal is, is May 28th. I am frightened for some of these teams for burnout. 9, 10, 11, 12, 30, 40, 50, 60, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20. It's a 22 week season. 22 weeks. That's almost half the year. Dude, how yeah, much? Like, that's how like much, an NFL season. When you guys played, how many, like what percentage of your teammates, like was your, were your teams self motivated or, or did you have slackers? And that, that's kind of when I look at you, you talked about, you know, Michigan or just any team really with culture, how much of the culture now has got to be looked from the beginning of December until the end of January or whatever it is when we start practicing again, it's up to you to be a champion on your own or to get a group of three or four or five guys together and be champions. I, yeah, I think what's changed, Cotter, is that these programs are so much uh, better structured and organized and led by head coaches and strength coaches that the player – just has this calendar in front of them and all yeah. he's got to do is execute the plan. Mm. But when asked to create their own plan or, or show their own self-discipline when they're at home and mom serves that extra portion of apple pie, when the old high school friends call and say, Hey, let's go meet at the bar. Like, I think, I think that's the, the ability, the, the, the challenge is to say no. And wait, uh, wait you and have a child, you have a child, Connor, you have nieces and nephews. I, I have two children. The issue right now is I'm not one of these guys from the old school that says like, well, when I grew up, we did it the right way. Times change, people evolve, generations evolve. It is what it is. It's nothing to fight. It's nothing to, to put my nose down on. But I will say this, so much of everything for people these days is manufactured for them, right? So like your coach gives you a plan. Your strength coach gives you a plan. Coach Simmons, I never walked home. He said, you have a 5.30 mile to make on January 21st. Like, figure it out, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. There was no pamphlet for me of what I need to do every day. It's like, okay, you want to be strong? You're going to lift weights, right? Like, you're going to figure it out. And if you're competitive enough, you know you need to be strong. You want to be on the field. And you're going to make that 5.30 mile. And you're going to be strong in the weight room because it's important to you. And yes, you probably lose out on some things in terms of that someone manufactured all that for you, but there is something to be said about the ownership part of it. Yeah, that, that sort of gets to my point, Clark. It's like, you, if you want to be a champion at, at some point in time, whether it's the six weeks that you're away or what, you've got to figure out, uh, I need to do this on my own. Like, I, I, this is where I want to be. This is where Precisely. I want my team to be. But I it's still it there. Out. If you see the best players in college lacrosse, they do what's required and what's manufactured for them. And then they do their own stuff too. It's that, yeah. it's that simple. If you want to be good, you got to do the extra. And the last thing I'll end with, we, we've learned from like Yale is the player to player communication, the group chats, the group texts. Uh, that's where leaders have to lead nowadays. It seems, uh, you know, the, the opportunity when the team is not together in the month of December and early January for those leaders to, to, to poke the freshman to say, Hey, Paul, have you done your sprints? Because we got that 530 mile coming up. Watch, yeah. watch your sweets, man. You're eating, you're eating too much of that pasta. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And that's, that's where we would always hear about Yale. Like 
freshman shows him what he's eaten, and then the rest of the group just gets all over him. One thing before we go, did any of you get to, to catch any fall across this year when you were traveling for football? Oh, I did. No, not. I didn't. No, I did. I caught Syracuse's practice, and, and, and I think you know it's it's important to know. You see them, you know, they're on the cover of all the magazines. People think, oh, Syracuse is back because they have the number one recruiting class. You still got to be patient. It's it's not going to happen over, overnight. I will say this drastically different from from years past i watched a two-hour practice and the ball was spinning at a totally different speed uh the, the attack complement each other with spelina hilts and uh you know you have the uh you have the, you have the transfer from uh from, from from denver there as well i, I just felt like offensively the ball's being shared they still have questions at, at face off and, and defense um, but I was, as an alum, I was, I was pleasantly surprised at, at how they, they, they've made drastic growth, monumental type of, of, of pieces with, within an offense and an identity in a short period of time. I was shocked that they named a transfer captain. I didn't like that. I, and, and I will say this. I love the cursed family. No, I love thing, he, he's, he is an exceptional leader. Talking to he's folks an exceptional leader. Like, and he, he is an be, exceptional leader. If you so put him in the nothing, right environment. I, I was just surprised that a program yes. like Syracuse would do that. If you put any of those cursed boys in the right environment and in time, they're captains for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're incredible people. They have smiles on their face. They're selfless. They're, they're the best kids. Like that's the beauty of us covering the sport is you, you run into kids and families and you connect with them and, I've connected with those boys and they're awesome. But to me, I worry about not him being a captain. Like you said, he's a captain. I worry about the lack of leadership elsewhere, maybe in that locker room that they have to give it to someone who's been there for six weeks, three weeks. <laughs> no. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I, I, I did like Louisville's football team. They had a transfer this past year, Momo Sonogo, the linebacker from Ole Miss. He's the team captain. He transferred in, and after spring practice, they named him team captain because it was obvious – or they voted him team captain. It was obvious that he was the leader. Like, it was, it was almost like he came in and he took on that leadership role, and it was a natural progression. So it was like, who are the captains? Well, obviously, Momo Sonoga is the captain. Maybe it was a situation like that at Syracuse where Curse comes in and it was like, hey, after a few weeks, it's obvious he's the leader, so he's got to be the yeah, captain. Yeah, Cole, Cole Curse is a born leader. But my only issue is like sometimes with the captain is like you want to know the history of the program. You want to know the culture. You want to be in the locker room for, for a little while to, to understand the pieces. And again, we're, I'm going to say it five times. He's a captain on any team. It's just the amount of time that he was there. Yeah. Right, Quint? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's easier as, as an outsider to come in and assert yourself as a leader with, because you don't have that kind of four years of baggage with players and coaches you know, you treat everybody with a clean slate and maybe it's easier because as Cotter said, I saw it in college football a couple times this year where transfers were named captains. Oh yeah. Quarterbacks. Right. I mean, yeah. Maybe. Hey, maybe. Isn't Keaton Slovis from Pitt a captain? Yeah. I think he is a captain. You're right. Yeah. He maybe, maybe the culture was so, you know, deficient that it was like, he's coming from a culture or he's bringing a culture that we need. But, but you know what also – that's a good point. You know what also tells me is that they're, maybe they're just looking for this year to be like, 
they turn the page and this is the new, I don't know, last year, you know, they, yeah. they won four games last year. It was Gary Gates' first year. Uh, it was kind of just sit back and, and look at things. Maybe they feel like this is the the moment in time where they, they turn the page and it's a blank slate for everyone. Yeah. You'll like their thing. goalie too. You'll like their goalie, the transfer from, uh, from LIU. Yeah. I read about him. I, uh, U.S. Lax had a nice kid, article about him. Very, very impressed with him. Uh, interesting background. I want to ask you guys uh, last thing uh, this weekend is uh, championship week in college football. Uh, Clark, you, you have uh, a lot of knowledge about uh, Tulane and UCF. Cotter, you can tell us about the ACC championship. What do you guys think? Well, the ACC championship is so anticlimactic. I mean, you think about Clemson coming off that loss at home to South Carolina and North Carolina has shown at times that they have no idea what they're doing on the defensive side of the football. So for, for the ACC, I'll enjoy watching it because I'll enjoy watching all day Saturday because it's just something we don't get a chance to do watching football all day. But it's it's the least maybe the least interesting of all the championship games out there. Yeah, because, you know, especially with with the opportunity that Clemson had, if they yeah. had won, they were in the mix of the playoff. Right. So yeah. now it's it, it's yeah, it loses its it loses its juice. I will I will say I did Tulane Cincy last week and they were both ranked. Man, Willie Fritz, you talk about a program developer and a builder and a, just an old school football coach who, who knows how to get it done. Uh, so impressed with him. You, you know, when, when you spend a week prepping for a team and you speak to the coaches and you read a lot, you talk to the players, like you get a good, get a good sense of, of the leadership from a coaching perspective. And what he did at Tulane, because last year they were dealing with the hurricane, they were displaced. They won two games. They were two and 10. Yeah. I, I had them the COVID year and they were getting good. And then I couldn't believe how, how much they dropped off last year. Last year they were displaced. They were living out of hotels. They were eating, you know, Grubhub all the time. They weren't in training table. They weren't in their element. They, they really, really struggled last year because of the hurricane and, and, and not being on campus and not being in their normal situation. It was really, really tougher. But Willie Fritz is, is fascinating. And I, I read something about him last week, and I asked him the question. He kind of lets his coordinators do their thing, and he walks around practice with a digital recorder. And he spent so much time. This is, this is a great thing for any coach or any leader. When you write down notes, you don't realize that you're spending time writing in the notes and, and you miss out on things. His head is up. And I asked him about this. And, and this is the reason he doesn't want to write notes because he feels like he's wasting time. He speaks into a digital recorder as he walks around practice. And he just, whatever's top of mind, like a quick Kessnick's not turning his hips the right way. Um, no aggression out of the offensive line here. Uh, quarterback is thrown off his back foot. Blah, blah, blah. And then at night, like he digests all that. Then he breaks it up into like in, into into different pieces, and then he addresses the coaches and the players with it. I, I thought it was fascinating, like an old school digital recorder, and walks around practice and almost like a bird's eye view, and he's speaking into it. Dude, of the last couple of days, he's been announced and then unannounced as the head coach at my alma mater, Georgia Tech. So yeah, he'd be a good one to, to get. You think you, I mean, he's 62 years old, so he's no spring chicken. He is. He's but. a young 62. You know, he's been around, man. Like, you know, he hasn't stopped at a lot of these blue blood programs, but if you look at his track record, he's won. Uh, he's run at one everywhere. He's just, I, I, I think he's a good football coach. He really, he really understands 
who he is. He really understands who his players are. There's no gimmicks. They have a running back, Tajay Spears. That's definitely an NFL. Yeah. Player. Tech needs a guy who is coming from Jeff Collins. They need a guy who is no nonsense football teaching football, like Kansas's coach. Kansas a coach is like no nonsense. Dude, he's not- a, he's kind of like Willie Fritz. You think about him. He yeah, he, he's coaching high school, Wisconsin Whitewater, Buffalo. Yeah. Like, just a, he's a he's a ball coach, man. Quint, what do you think of the whole reporter thing that I was mentioning? I love it. I may try to use it on the air next year during commercials. Clark's talking with his hands. Scott Cotter. Cotter's got to ask me more questions. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, thank you guys. Good to see everybody. Yeah, Hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. Hey, what, what I'm making like five I'm, I'm making, until the first scrimmage in college lacrosse. It's pretty close. I mean, it's it's uh, what second third week in January, right? Yeah, six weeks away. I can't wait, Quinn. I've told you this a million times. I, I love college football. And I love doing it. Um, you know, but when you're on the road and you're traveling all over the country by week fourteen, you, you know, you, you need a little bit of a break, right? Like it's just that's just the reality. Of it. I've never left the lacrosse season saying i'm glad the season's over maybe i'm sick in the head maybe i just love the game too much maybe i love you guys too much as well but i, I can't wait for january because then we'll start talking lax february we're into the games it's to, to me it's it's the best and you guys are a huge part of that and we have some pll in, in february as well uh, can't wait to see what our broadcast schedule is like as soon as we get it folks uh we will share it with you uh on on the uh, World Wide webs Cotter, good to see you, brother. Hope the shoulder's coming along well. Getting there slowly but surely. It's getting there. I'll be, I'll be 100% by the beginning of lacrosse season. By the looks of his traps, it looks like he's on, he's on his way back. I'm Talk on my way care. back. I'm guessing like February 13th, we'll be in uh, Glockner, bundled up for high point. I'm guessing that might be our first game there. So uh, get ready. Clark, enjoy the slopes if you go out to Utah. I was at Disney last week, and I'm still – struggling with vertigo after grace put me on that mount everest ride like oh. nine times in a row oh man i was That's like classic shit i am still shaky and, and she's uh, fine she was fine right she was she was she was she was when she, she has went vertigo 10, every she went, day she does she went, she she's went an amazing she's up in the air half the, half her life oh can't do it but I, I enjoyed the trip to disney the worldwide leader Thank you, gentlemen. All okay. right. Be well. Don't quit. Be well. Happy holidays. <laughs>